It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610 is our number. You can also reach us via email, 610-KONA.com, bottom line page. Your name, where you're listening, what you would like to say. We're going to put those on hold for a few minutes as we welcome into the program Representative J.T. Wilcox from the 2nd Legislative District. He's also the House Republican leader. Representative Wilcox, thank you very much for joining us in short notice. We appreciate your time. Well, thanks very much, and I've always appreciated being on your program. So, Representative Wilcox, uh, interesting, interesting day Friday coming up. Uh, got word about so oh, maybe two hours ago that something that many listeners may not be aware of. Uh, an eighth order motion. It's not a secret society or anything like that. It's actually a, a maneuver in the legislature um, that an eighth order motion will will be called by you on Friday regarding the emergency powers bill that had not gotten out of committee nor brought to the floor for a vote. Talk to us a little bit about this process. Uh, how often is it used and what is the point of of using this particular maneuver when it comes to a piece of legislation? Well, first of all, um, uh, trying to bring uh, bills to the floor uh, from the minority uh, happens uh, rarely, uh, you know, maybe every other year or so here in the House, uh, more frequently in the Senate, and they are rarely successful. But when they are, it's spectacular. A few years ago, the MCC, the Majority Coalition Caucus in the Senate, was formed as a result of uh, bringing bills uh, to the floor in a coalition of the minority plus a small number of majority members. And uh, we are making this very specific because I want to make this a serious effort, uh, not just an attention getter, uh, to uh, bring a reasonable bill to the floor that would uh, have the legislature every 60 days when there is a state of emergency consulted as to whether or not the emergency should continue and all the powers of the governor that go with that. And uh, we are looking for nine Democrats uh, to join us in a vote on a resolution that says that uh, the bill by Representative McEwen uh, can come to the second reading calendar for a vote on the floor. And and if that is successful, we will uh, vote on the bill. And I would expect that if the first motion is successful, the bill will pass. And again, we've tried everything that we could to make this very reasonable. This is not a tyranny of the minority uh, effort. This is just saying that the legislature should have a voice every 60 days when a emergency is declared. We're talking with Representative J.T. Wilcox from the 2nd Legislative District here on the bottom line. He's also the House Republican leader. Now, Representative Wilcox, we know this has been an ongoing issue from even before the legislative session began. Um, the, the fact that there has been very little acknowledgement from the majority party in either chamber to address this issue is certainly well, it's created some concern uh, around the state, even among some Democrats. Is this this vote, will this be a roll call vote and will this be an opportunity to be able to point to certain lawmakers as saying, please don't go back to your home district and tell them that you weren't in favor of this when you actually voted in favor of this? 
Uh, yeah, it uh, will absolutely be a roll call vote. There would be no point in doing it if it wasn't. And, uh, you know, Pierce County is one of the counties that recently was told that it would have to roll back, even though the circumstances don't seem to warrant that. And Pierce County is fairly evenly divided between Republican and Democratic representatives and senators. So I think those people in particular have a lot riding on this vote. And it's an important one. We all should have something riding on it. And again, uh, we are doing this. Uh, not out of politics, but because this is an important thing. People in Washington are used to uh, living under a government that has a separation of powers and three co-equal branches. And that is not the way that it functions uh, under an emergency. These these laws that govern uh, emergency powers have never been stress tested in this way. And it's obvious that they need some improvement. And most states have done this. We're talking again with Representative J.T. Wilcox, the House Republican leader, here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Representative Wilcox, so we, we have heard rumblings uh, that out of the public eye, there are a handful of Democrats who have felt like uh, they've been kept out of the decision making process by uh, Governor Inslee, but have been too afraid to speak about it openly. Do you think that a roll call vote will change anybody's mind on that side of the aisle uh, to openly say, hey, I was elected too. I should have a say in how this government is run, not just one person. Well, you know, people hire us to come down here to Olympia and be on the record and vote. So this is, uh, you know, a good way of doing our job. The bill itself uh, that uh, we want to advance has a Democratic co-sponsor, that's uh, Representative Chapman, who probably is the Democrat who most oftenly votes with Republicans. And so uh, I I don't have an agreement from him that he will vote for the procedural motion, but I have some hopes. And uh, I've told our members that our job now is to go out and find some Democrats that uh, both have spoken openly uh, about their discomfort with executive actions uh, and uh, are willing to take that step. And, you know, in our day, uh, partisan loyalty is is a big, big thing, probably bigger than it should be. And this would be a good way of letting, you know, people understand that we're going to get past the labels uh, and uh, we may not even, because again, this is a vote of the majority, we may not even uh, in the end um, end the the state of emergency. That'll be up to the majority of the legislators who vote. But at the very least, we will be saying the legislature has to be part of this. And that's an important concept to me. Well, having said that, we know the uh political makeup of the House of Representatives in Olympia, it would be a tall order to bring uh, a lot of Democrats over enough to move it to a vote. What uh, what would you, as the minority leader, be satisfied with, uh, you know, after the dust has settled Friday with this? Oh, 50 votes for the procedural motion, which would pass it, and uh, then 50 votes for the bill that would Uh, start the clock ticking. So every 60 days, we would have a review of whether or not the emergency is still continuing. And one thing that I would say to Democrats is, you know, we have to think about this in the longest terms. A lot of these emergency powers laws have been on the books since the 80s. So you've got to think about the decades forward. And if, uh, if they think that a Democratic governor has done just fine, will they feel exactly the same about a Republican governor in the future? 
And we should all be looking at this very objectively. This is our chance to really have a voice in how we're going to be governed in the future. And it should be even handed. And we should understand that we, you know, have a duty to our branch. And in general, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats have done a good job of standing up for the separation of powers. Not in this case, though. And I want to give everyone a chance to go back and do that job right. And we're talking with uh, GOP House Leader J.T. Wilcox of Yelm here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Representative Wilcox, of course, the emergency powers for the governor's been based on, quote, data and science for well over a year now. Uh, but yet the announcement last week regarding the changing of the metrics so quickly uh, before we were coming up to that first report card didn't seem very much to be based on data and science. Is this is 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 that decision part of the reason why uh, you want to get this bill to the floor and get people on the record as far as where they stand on emergency powers? Because it seems that the data and the science is more with the governor's whim than it actually is data and science. Well, I have been bringing this uh, issue up at every single uh, press availability that we've had since the session started. So, you know, I think uh, 13 or 14 individual press events and lots of other statements. So it's been a big deal uh, for some time going back, of course, before the session began. Um, But timing is almost as important as what it is you do. And I think the fact that these three counties is not just about Pierce County, although that's the one that I represent, uh, has made this. I think, a much bigger issue, and lots of editorial boards have weighed in now saying that it's time uh, for the legislature to have a role. And I think the other thing that I try to explain to some reporters today is, uh, you know, uh, the, the governor has had, a, has had a game plan. That's true. And he recently said that we're getting into the fourth quarter and he wants to finish strong. But no game plan is exactly the same for the first quarter as it is for the fourth quarter. And because uh, all of our counties now have had three months for uh, vulnerable people to uh, be vaccinated, about 75 percent of them have. And those who choose not to, uh, we should respect their choice as well. But those people have had a chance. We've protected the most vulnerable. And we also have hospital statistics that show us that we have lots of unutilized capacity right now. So all the reasons that have been used in the past for the measures that have created so much turmoil, um, you know, are not really valid anymore. We're, we're in the fourth quarter. And actually, we think that, uh, you know, we should be opening up uh, all of our vaccines. We should be um, actually sending more vaccines to the counties that are lagging behind and having uh, spread problems. And also understand that uh, 400 days almost is long enough. And uh, people deserve uh, a chance now to make the best choices for their own safety. We're talking with Representative J.T. Wilcox from the 2nd Legislative District here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 KONA. Representative Wilcox, last question for you. Again, we appreciate your time joining us this afternoon. Um, Is there concern amongst Republicans that if the emergency powers are not dealt with soon, that when this, quote, emergency is over, which most people do believe it is, but when this emergency is over, 
what will stop the governor from saying climate change is an emergency and he needs to reenact the emergency powers? Is there is there a concern that he will find something else to keep this going if, if this is not addressed soon? Well, I have said every time this topic comes up that emergency powers that go on and on with no defined end are corrosive to our democratic republic. And uh, this governor or another governor, uh, I think, has a much lower bar than used to be there for using emergency powers in ways that we can't even comprehend. And so without attacking this governor, Republicans and Democrats should agree the bar shouldn't be low. It shouldn't be lowered. It should be raised because these things, uh, if they become normalized, uh, are going to be dangerous. And that's again, that's not a partisan thing. That's just good government. And that's what we all hope to see is is good government and good representation from all those who are elected, regardless of which side of the aisle it comes from. Representative J.T. Wilcox, the House Republican leader from the 2nd Legislative District in Yelm. Thank you again, sir, for joining us on such short notice. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for what you do. Representative J.T. Wilcox, taking time out of a busy day to join us to talk about the motion coming on Friday. We can cross our fingers. But again, Ed, the important thing, as Representative Wilcox alluded to, is to get lawmakers on the record. Yep. To get them in a roll call. And, um, you know, when we come back, this is the fun part of the job. We get to play out scenarios on how this may or may not work. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A 547-1610, Wednesday afternoon. Estate details, a Musser Brothers solution. Look, if you own a company that, unfortunately, closed during the COVID and is not going to reopen, you need to liquidate your assets, contact Estate Details to help you auction off those items. They can help ensure that you get top dollar for every piece in your home. If you've had a death in the family and there are a number of items that need to be liquidated, contact Estate Details of Muster Brothers Solution. If you're downsizing, if you are moving a relative into a long-term care facility and you need to sell off a lot of items, contact Estate Details of Muster Brothers Solution to help you avoid the hassles of a garage sale or anything else. Leave it in the hands of the experts. Jacqueline Musser, a third-generation auctioneer operating Estate Details. Contact them via their website, estatedetails.com, or call 509-AUCTION. Our number is 509-547-1610 if you would like to get involved. So let's play scenario, okay? Okay. We know there are vulnerable Democrats. We know that there are Democrats that are in considerably purple districts, in, on, particularly on the west side of the state, because there's only three of them on the east side. They're all in one district in Spokane. So they feel they're relatively comfortable or relatively safe. But any district, any Democrat that could potentially be vulnerable, well, as Representative Wilcox said, they need nine Democrats to come over. Mm-hmm. If you are Lori Jenkins... How do you protect those vulnerable Democrats in a vote like this? It's going to be a roll call vote. How do you protect them? Well, make sure that, well, you make sure it never comes to pass. Well, there's still going to be a vote on whether or not right. to, to move on. So there's right. still going to be a vote on the record. Right. Um, 
I guess, uh, lobby hard to make sure that it's not uh, a roll call vote. Well, it's going to be a roll call vote. I mean, I don't know. What do you do? How do you protect them? One, you tell them not to show up. Oh, sure. So well, that's a trick that the uh, Oregon GOP uh, legislators tried doing, too. Well, but they have the ability to do that. In Washington State, that doesn't affect the outcome of the vote. I know. You tell them not to show up because then they can't vote on the record, and it will look like it's an excused absence. But, okay, I, I, I get that one. Let me address that's, that one really quick. There's a second one. I know. I'll, I'll leave you okay. time for the second one. If you are... A voter in the district that one of those purple districts where a Democrat does that uh-huh. and say that there are a handful that call in sick that day, are you going to hold that elected official accountable? Is it worse for them to vote against their governor, in essence? Or is it better to just not vote and not go on the record? That would be a question I would have for any of those constituents. What's the second one? Second one is they abstain. They abstain. Same thing, though. You're right. But here's the thing. You're looking at it from a logical standpoint. I know. Silly me. You're looking at it from the standpoint of people that are actually engaged in the system. And they don't look at just the letter of the person's name after them. So if you have somebody in a swing district who is a Democrat that either doesn't show up for the vote or abstains from the vote, instead of going on the record and saying, I am in favor of the governor keeping his emergency powers the way they are, that could be a bigger problem in a swing district than abstaining or not showing up for the vote. Because you can explain it away all had tummy issues. I have IBS. Yeah, I couldn't make it to the vote. Oh, you know, I, I I had the sniffles and I didn't want to get anybody else sick. I wasn't sure. You know, I went and got tested. You could make a okay. million reasons up as to why you couldn't make it to that vote. Yeah, but see, in- but if you vote yes or you abstain, okay, so abstain's a bigger issue. Abstaining's a bigger issue because then you well, have a vote on the record saying you're not going to vote on it. In in this in this legislative session where. A vast majority of the people are remotely doing their job. The I got an upset tummy is not going to cut it. Oh, it is, though. It is. If you just rattle off COVID symptoms, now maybe. But if you can't prop yourself up in front of your your laptop for a vote on this, I I think that... you got swamp tummy, you're not propping your laptop up. I'm just saying that I think... I think of all the scenarios, mm-hmm. not showing up, uh, abstaining, or voting your conscience because you've been crying about this, of all the three in the long term, abstaining is probably your best bet. They have got eight vulnerable Democrats that they can protect because all they need is to win it by one so they can protect eight vulnerable Democrats. Be on the lookout on Friday for the roll call to see if every Democrat votes either in favor, against, or if there is a number that do not have a vote recorded. Those are the vulnerable Democrats. You, Well, you know that we're going to have that information for everybody on Friday. Of course we will. Of course we will. But if you have Democrats that do not have a counted vote, 
be it excused or abstain, it's not yay or nay. Those are the Democrats that are vulnerable in the next election. Guaranteed they're the ones that they're worried about. More of the bottom line when we come back. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back to the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A, the number is 547 If you would like to get involved, Perfection Tire, four locations in the Tri Cities, waiting to serve you. They've been doing so for 59 years. Make sure you swing by, check out not just the services that are available, but also talk about getting a new set of tires. The great customer service you're going to get, not only in that conversation, but of course, anything you need with your vehicle, be it tune ups, be it belts, hoses, shocks, struts, or a new set of four tires. Perfection Tire, serving the community 59 years. Visit their website, perfectiontire.com, for a list of services and a huge selection of tires, or stop by one of those four locations in the Tri-Cities. 547-1610 to get involved. So a couple of roads we can go down, Ed. Um, the mayor in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, made a comment recently that he doesn't believe police officers should have guns on traffic stops. Okay. The wife of New Mexico State Police Officer Darian Jarrett would disagree because he was killed during a traffic stop by a suspect who said he would surrender his rifle and then lied. But he was justified? Oh, I'm just curious what the mainstream media spin on that. Well, the, the mainstream media d- didn't have a spin oh. on it because uh, the the... The individual who eventually was um, shot during a police chase that went on for about 40 minutes after he murdered Officer Jarrett, um, I believe that his widow and all of the fellow officers of the New Mexico State Police would disagree that they should have firearms for this case uh and many other cases where they come upon individuals that they do not know what they have in their vehicle but of course an ignorant comment like that from the brooklyn park mayor tells you how much understanding of what law enforcement officers face that the mayor of brooklyn park minnesota has um he opened fire instead of surrendering the rifle um shot him point blank in the back of the head that's what police officers face on a on a on a daily basis the the possibility that can happen to them um it just it astounds me that there are and i guess i i well maybe it shouldn't astound me but again we try to talk about things with with logic we try to talk about things with with pragmatism and and look at what the what the benefits or drawbacks in situations are, and for those people like the Rashida Talibs of the world that really just want an anarchist nation um, or a police state because she's a socialist, uh, they want the police, they want the government to have all the weapons and control everything through whatever means and mechanism that they they choose to do so. 
they don't believe the police. I mean, she she wants to she wants to get rid of all policing in in the United States. All policing should be gone. Should all be done. Now, of course, you, that was one instance where you did not see Nancy Pelosi go running to her side and supporting her, uh, because that is not going to be. Um, that's not going to be something that Nancy Pelosi is going to embrace or Chuck Schumer is going to embrace. But when you see instances like this that occur, then you hear people like Rashida Tlaib and the mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, say that policing needs to be abolished or police don't need to have firearms on traffic stops. It tells you... To me, it shows me the level of disdain that they have for law enforcement. And we use the term law enforcement, but maybe really we should talk about the fact that they are public servants. Because they are. They are public servants. They, they choose to protect the public, all people that are part of the public. People they don't know, people they've never met people they may never interact with over the course of their service because not everyone needs to call the police. Not everyone needs the police to get involved in their life. But they get paid to protect those people anyway. They get paid to protect everyone who's out there and put their life on the line every day. They also get paid to do all those things for people that they do know and maybe don't like. That's right. They need to set those personal things aside. Now, again, are there bad cops? Absolutely. Sure. There's bad everything. There's bad everything. Um, but the majority of the people, and I can, t- I can tell you this from, from personal, from the time I was a little kid, I've had people in my family, I've had people close to my family, I've known police officers my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've known multiple people within police departments my entire life. The percentage of police officers that I have run into that have been public service second is in single digits. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've run across a couple of them. Sure. But the overwhelming majority do it because of a need to call, a call that has come to them to protect, to serve, to want to make their community better and community safer. Yes, there have been many stories out there and many Hollywood movies done on police corruption that are based on true stories. Um, You know, some high-profile police departments have had some high-profile issues. No ifs, ands, buts about that. Not saying it's never existed and it doesn't exist and, and, and absolving anybody of bad behavior. But the overwhelming amount of police officers truly care about what they do, and they truly want to be an asset in their community. And to have politicians, and it's happened here locally as well. Yes, it has. To have politicians come out and question their motivations or try to put a black mark on policing in general does not solve any problems. It makes them worse. Last night in Portland, 
an idea set fire to the police union building again. An idea, because obviously it's only an idea. It's not real. That That is Antifa, of course. Right. The left calls it an idea. Well, an idea somehow managed to physically manifest and set fire to a building. Once again, it had already set fire to once before that sits boarded up in Portland. Nice work, Ted Wheeler. Um the attack on law enforcement in the Northwest particularly is harrowing, and it's incredibly concerning. There, were, there was an idea that physically manifested outside of a police precinct in Seattle again last night. So again, you know, we, we deal with this, we see this, and there is an element of the population that wants to make people believe that the police are bad when in all reality those are the bad people. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Jason from Yakima. I, uh, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I have known dozens and dozens of officers in my life, and I was taught by my parents that when the police give you a command, you obey with it. And I have actually had police officers in mistaken identity, my identity uh, pull their service weapons on me, and I complied, and nothing happened because I hadn't done anything wrong. I'm tired of people using the excuse that police, you know, because such a small percent may be bad. My my thing is, and I learned this from a state patrol officer. I was I was like, well, when somebody gets over, I know I'm not going to do anything. And this this trooper said to me, but I don't know that. And at the time, I was driving a '68 Firebird convertible. And he looked at me and he goes, that's a pretty desirable car. And somebody could off you, throw you in the trunk. And when I'm pulling them over, they could have a gun. And I don't know that. And that's what I face every time I pull a car over. I have to be prepared that the person in that car is a murderer and armed. 99.999% of the time, it's a regular citizen who's going to do everything right. The problem is... They don't know which time it's the guy that's just off somebody. It's the guy that's high. It's the guy that just beat the crap out of his wife. You know what I'm saying? Those are the instances, and they do it all day long. And I'm tired of all the armchair quarterbacks. I have literally had twice officers pointing their guns at me, and you know what happened? Nothing, because I complied with their orders, and it was a case of mistaken identity or a case where I was actually in the right both times. But I learned a lot from Mr. Eikhoff, who told me I have no idea what I'm walking into every single time I pull somebody over or I show up on a, on a 911 call. He said it scares me half to death, and he served and was a great man. And it's very sad that so many people always say, that the, you know, the police are bad. They have to understand that they are rational, but the police are not responding consistently to rational, behavioured people. Most of the time, they're responding to the worst of the worst of society. And unfortunately, that conditions them to be on high alert. And yes, mistakes happen, but if you comply, they rarely will. Sorry for my rant, but I... Our, our, our guys in blue and our guys in red, they take care of us, so do our gals, and they deserve utmost respect. And any time I've needed them, they've been there. 
No need to apologize at all, Jason. Thanks for the call. Very pointed. Very pointed. Very passionate as well. But anybody, I'll throw this out there. If anybody's ever gone on a ride-along with police, and they've ever done a traffic stop, have you ever noticed that they don't let you get out of the car? There's a reason for that. It's for your safety because they don't know what situation they're walking into. More of the bottom line after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610KONA. Bottom line, News Radio 610KONA, Windermere Group 1, If you're going to put your house on the market, Reach out to the experienced realtors of Windermere Group 1 and talk to them about the 72 Sold Tri-Cities program. You visit the website. Plenty of testimonials from incredibly satisfied customers who put their house on the market and within hours were getting multiple offers. And more often than not, they got thousands of dollars more for their home than what they originally asked for. The Windermere Group 1 72 Sold Tri-Cities.com program works Get your house involved by contacting one of their realtors today. Don't wait, because with the way the market is right now, well, put it this way, you may wind up getting left behind. So take advantage of the program while it's going. 72soultracecities.com. This is the website today. So, Ed, I'm going to tell you right now, another company has gotten in on the whole defund the police thing. Oh. And, and you're not going to be surprised by who it is. I walked away from this company. I can honestly say I have not bought any of their products in... Oh, gosh, probably 20 years at least. 20 years? Easily 20 years. And I really used to like it, really used to like it. But then I found out that they donated money to the defense fund of a cop killer in Philadelphia, uh, where all the evidence certainly points to the fact that he murdered a cop in cold blood, discharging his firearm into his face. Um, And so I have yet to buy their product after I found that out. It's been over 20 years. That product would be Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh. Known, known, known far left company. Yeah. So here's the latest release from Ben and Jerry's. This came out this came out actually six PM on the twelfth. From Ben and Jerry's official Twitter account. The murder of Dante Wright is rooted in white supremacy and results from the intentional criminalization of black and brown communities. This system can't be reformed. It must be dismantled and a real system of public safety rebuilt from the ground up. Hashtag defund the police. Oh, I, boy. Now, I am so happy that I have not given Ben and Jerry's a single penny in over 20 years. Because, again, you can look at it how you want. Okay, We hear the left call for protests all the time against companies. Mm-hmm. And then they back down. Right? They back down. The right doesn't tend to do that as often. Okay, they'll they'll still turn around and go. Oh, Ben and Jerry said this. Uh, can I have? Uh, yeah, I'll get the chocolate chip cookie dough from the from the freezer there. At, yeah, at, at Safeway, and I, I'm right. good. I'm, I just go home and eat it. I, yeah, okay. They can have their opinion. That's fantastic. Here's the thing: if you're in law enforcement, if you back law enforcement, if you have a family member that's in law enforcement, you really should reconsider giving any money to Ben and Jerry's. Because usually when, when far-left companies call for things, they do tend to be politically active with their money. Yes. So what you're going to do if you buy Ben & Jerry's, if you have a... 
Because Ben and Jerry said this. I'm not. I am not taking anything. Um, not taking anything out of out of context here. Ben and Jerry said this. So if you are a, a family that has a law enforcement officer in it, you probably should buy Blue Bunny, um, Blue Bell, a, a company that I grew up with, along with Turkey Hill. They're 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 getting their name thrown out there on Twitter as alternatives. You know, Blue Bunny's wonderful ice cream. There's a lot of good companies out there that make ice cream that aren't Ben and Jerry's. So if you're a law enforcement family, you don't have to go to one in particular, but you probably shouldn't buy Ben and Jerry's anymore because they're going to donate to causes that could get your relatives killed, could get your loved ones killed, um, that support dismantling what your loved ones do for a living, that don't respect what your loved ones do for a living. So if you want to give them money, more power to you. Go right ahead. But if you are someone who believes in law enforcement and believes in what they stand for and supports them, you know, you may not be able to donate to all the foundations that are out there, but you can not give your money to a company that wants to donate its money to organizations that will eventually lead to harm down the line for them and what they do. I believe it's called a free market system. It is a free you market system. You are free system. to put your hard-earned money, whatever's left over after taxes, <laughs> yeah, and spend it how you wish. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's... Look, it, people protest in their own ways. Some light police stations on fire. Some... Uh, peacefully protest, uh, holding signs, marching, yelling from megaphones. Um, others do it like this. If you have a problem with a company, don't support them financially. Simple as that. I, well, whatever your ideology and, is, you know. And that's cool. It is. But I will say this. You know, it's interesting because there's a big, big kerfuffle on Twitter. When the founder of Black Lives Matter was found to have bought a yeah. bought a home, one point four million dollar home in a very white California suburb, I think she has three homes. Actually, no, she's got four. Oh, four. She's I missed got one. Four. You missed one. I missed one. Three of them in California. Yeah. One of them in Georgia. Oh, one in and, Georgia. And, and you know, we we haven't heard. We haven't heard that they're all because she is a devout socialist. Uh huh. She says she's a devout socialist. Okay, socialism gotta, gotta, for everyone else, not well, her. Yeah, right, it says she's a socialist, but owns four homes. Um, we don't know that any of them are communes. At least we haven't heard that yet. Not in the true fan. Not in the true spirit of socialism. Does, she, have, does, does she let homeless stay there? I, we have yet to hear. Oh, but you know what? I will be interested in finding out if any of them have security systems, fences. Yep, fences. Um, you know, ring doorbells. Oh, wait, fences don't like work. No, Sorry. No, no, fences, fences and walls don't work. But I don't think that, that the three homes that she isn't currently enjoying are being used as communes. And that, then when she goes in, that they just, they, they all live off the land. And, and, and do, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't believe that's the case. Um, but of course, as we end things out, the Babylon Bee, the gift that it is. We love it. Wonderful headline to, to send you out today. BLM founder calls for abolishing police in all the areas where she doesn't live. Yeah. 
which is a is a shrinking area at this rate. It is four homes, four areas. Yeah, you know, most of California the... and part of Georgia, apparently. Again, if you don't like the police and you want to defund them, don't call them when you're in trouble. Call a crackhead and see how well that works.